Hi, welcome to episode 527 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott. And how does Kim Kardashian have 46 million Twitter followers and I only have 14? Is she really 3.3 million times more interesting than me? I don't think so. Has she even read a comic book in her life? Does she even know how to read? Today is Fantastic Four 527, dated July 2005. Distant Music by the new creative team of writer J. Michael Straczynski and artist Mike McCone. And so begins a new, albeit short-lived, era for the Fantastic Four. New writer J. Michael Straczynski who at this point was in the middle of ruining Spider-Man over in Amazing, takes over along with penciler Mike McCone, whose artwork is far more detailed than Mike Waringo. He's more of a Brian Hitch type of artist. And the issue begins on, uh, on another planet. In a futuristic type city. I'd say it's a futuristic city because most of the buildings seem to lack windows. Whenever people draw futuristic buildings, they always go for the big metal shapes without a lot of windows. And a man and a woman, yellow-skinned aliens, I assume they're aliens and not two humans with jaundice, are standing on the balcony of a building and looking out at the city, and there's this nonsense narration coming from one of the other characters, or some other character, saying that he's watched this world for five years, and the end is always the same. There's centuries of fighting, which he could correct, but he doesn't want to. A million years pass on this world, while only six months pass on the narrator's world. And the world becomes civilized, developing art, culture, science, and philosophy. Why are those always the benchmarks of a civilized society? I mean, to me, any culture is civilized when they start wearing comfortable shoes. And then they develop advanced technology of murder, and we see missiles being launched, and the bombs explode on the city, and then there is explosions all over the planet, and everything is destroyed. And there's this one alien man who asks himself, why? And the narrator says that he doesn't think he's asking why he's dying, but asking why did he even live? I think when I die, my last word will be why. And I'll be asking, why did I waste so much time doing the Fantastic Forecast? And we see these two eyes looking into a viewer, and the narrator of the last five pages is Reed Richards. Sue calls out to him, telling him it's time for dinner. She says they're having franks and beans, a very common meal among the 1%, and she says that they're going to be having dinner with Mr. Anoffin, their accountant. It's very common among the 1% to dine with their accountants. Reed is less than enthusiastic. He calls Mr. Anoffin the most boring man on the face of planet Earth. You know, this just occurred to me. When you've been through all the stuff the FF have been through, all their adventures, all the places they've been, it must be incredibly boring to sit down and have a conversation with any normal person. Now that is probably why Johnny is still single. Every woman he goes on a date with must seem incredibly boring to him. Oh, you just got back from buying those shoes at Barney's. Well, I just got back from the friggin' negative zone. So please, tell me about your shoes. I'm sure they're very interesting. Reed says the only reason he hired Mr. Anoffin is because he likes his binary last name. He thinks it's hilarious. Anoffin? Onophone? 
I don't even know what that means. Sue asks Reed if he's okay. He seems kind of depressed. Of course he's depressed. He's probably seen all the spider totem Gwen Stacy is a horse stuff that Straczynski did over in Spider-Man, and he's worried. Reed replies that on some days it seems like he has more questions than he has answers. Sue offers to send the accountant home, but Reed says it's okay, and asks her to spend a minute with him before they go downstairs. Sounds like he wants to bang one out real quick before dinner, but no, he just wants to cuddle with her out on the balcony for a, mi for a minute, in an image that is very similar to the two aliens at the beginning of the issue. Only, the buildings in New York have lots of windows. Damn you, New York! In all your windows I have to draw! said Mike McCone. So later, Ben and Johnny are at the table, eating their hot dogs, but they don't even have buns. Ben is holding his hot dog up on a fork, and Johnny's warming it up for him. Sue has company over, and she went through zero effort to make dinner. Reed and the accountant are sitting at the kitchen counter, going over some of their financial reports, with the accountant telling Reed that after the government confiscated his old patents, the new patents should start showing some profit in two or three months. Wow, I'm surprised the new writer has read the run of the previous writer and knows what the trouble was with the government. He also mentions, much to Reed's surprise, that they're being audited. Ben chimes in and wants to know when he can finally get paid. The accountant says, Don't worry, your finances are quite secure, Mr. Grimm. And Ben is like, They are what? Say what? The accountant explains that a 25% share of the company was allocated to each member of the Fantastic Four, and Ben is surprised. He heard about this, but he thought it was some kind of crazy Hollywood movie profit scheme, and he didn't realize he straight up had 25% of everything. The accountant explains that when all the money and patents were turned over to the government, that included all of Reed and Sue's stuff, and all of Johnny's stuff, since Reed has power of attorney over Johnny. Bad decision by Johnny for giving him that. But Ben, none of his money was turned over to the government, so unlike the rest of the Fantastic Four, he still has everything. Reed has been too busy to tell him this important news. Ben asks how much he has, the accountant adds it all up and shows Ben, and Ben's like, oh, that's a lot of zeros. Johnny buries his, hand, his face in his hand and says, this is going to be bad. Ben starts jumping around, screaming, I've got money, I've got money, I've got money, and then all that jumping around has made him sick to his stomach, and he doubles over and he screams out, 17 hot dogs was too many, 17 hot dogs was too many. Franklin is playing video games, and he says to his sister, You think other kids' families are like this? Valeria replies, Puh? By the way, what is Franklin up to lately? Does he even go to school anymore? There was that brief storyline, I think before the Wade run, where he was going to some kind of prep school. Doesn't seem like he goes to school anymore. Later, Nick Fury has showed up, and he has work for Reed, telling him that the government has a proposal for Reed. They need him as a consultant on some top secret project. Reed reluctantly agrees to go down and see what they have to say. He doesn't really want to, but he needs the money. So Nick goes down, goes down the hall to use the copy machine, and he finds Ben sitting on the copy machine, making a copy of his ass. At first I thought Ben was pooping into a washing machine, <laughs> which is what it looks like, and I was really excited about that, but nope, he's just making a copy of his butt. A lot less funny. Ben gets off, pulls up his pants, and he leaves. And Nick is left alone, 
looking at the copy machine with crumbs on it. Like, did those crumbs come from Ben's butt? And it just occurred to me, how does Ben wipe his butt anyway with those big orange rocky hands of his? Butt wiping can be a very delicate operation. And I don't know what kind of butt wiping it does with those big mitts. And I don't know where those crumbs came from either. Neither does Nick Fury. He heads down to Kinko's to make the copy there instead. So later that night, Sue is in bed and Reed's got his pajamas on and he's putting on some music into the CD player. And he tells Sue about the government's job offer saying that he needs the money so he's, gonna, he's going to a classified Air Force base in Nevada the next day. The music starts to play, and Sue says it's like nothing she's ever heard before. It's beautiful. Reed says it came from a place that was only open for a day. I guess it came from that small universe he was looking at at the beginning of the issue. Elsewhere, outside an office building in Silicon Valley, Bill Gates. Bill Gates is walking out to his car when someone runs up to him and hands him a message from a courier. I doubt Bill Gates gets a lot of messages from couriers. You would think most of his messages come in the form of emails, not Western Union. He opens it up, and it's from Ben Grimm. And there's a note that says, Hey Bill, there's a new dog in town. Sincerely yours, the other BG. And it includes a satellite photo of the Grand Canyon? Uh, let me guess. Ben is going to buy the Grand Canyon and surround it with luxury condos and high-priced homes. That sounds like a good idea. So next, we see a passenger jet flying over Nevada, and for some reason, the art focuses on the, focuses in on this little blonde girl looking out the window with this look on her face like she's got to go to the bathroom. I don't know who this is or what that means. And in a private section of the plane, Reed is alone with a couple of armed soldiers who are just standing there. It's a moving plane. They have loaded guns. It seems like they should be sitting down. And then this weird portal in the sky opens up, and the plane flies through, and down on the ground is the secret Air Force base in the middle of the Nevada desert. So later, some other nerdy scientist guy is showing, showing Reed around the labs, and, he's, and he says the place cost $2 billion, but they used funds from a mysterious benefactor. That sounds like a big red flag to me. Reed mutters something, so maybe it does to him too. He leads Reed into this really elaborate room that is very high and very deep and the walkway goes out over nothing and there's these screens all over the room showing images from space. The scientist starts to tell Reed about the top secret part of this. They've taken some readings of the cosmic rays that gave the FF their powers, but in the other incidents where people were exposed to cosmic rays, the results were different, meaning they probably died. And it seems that space is a maelstrom of tremendous energies and the combination of energies changes on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. Sometimes the combination can be destructive and sometimes the combination can be a good thing such as when the FF got their powers. I don't know if Ben would consider that a good thing. The scientists have determined that the same combination of energies will happen again at least once maybe twice in the next two years. The first taking place in a few weeks. The window that created the Fantastic Four is about to open again. I don't know how Reed is taking this news. He's rather tight-lipped. The scientist says, If the four of you, given such remarkable powers, could serve humanity as well as you have, how much better could five, ten, or fifteen people with such powers? 
and they want Reed to help them duplicate this process when the time comes? Reed's reaction is, good lord, when he sees they have a rocket ship prepared to take off and a squad of 19 soldiers who seem like they're going to be the ones going on this trip. Clearly, this is a very bad idea. And we have reached the end of the issue to be continued next time. Tomorrow, maybe? And that is the first Straczynski issue. So far, no complaints. The members of the Fantastic Four seem to be in character. There were some humorous moments with Ben Grimm. And the setup here for the government making the, their own Fantastic 15 is intriguing. So I'll be back tomorrow. Same Fantastic time, same Fantastic channel. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. Windmill, windmill for the land, the forever hand in hand. Take it all out on your stride, it is taking for all in